0: Well, good morning. That song is so beautiful, isn't it, to listen to? And, and just ultimately comforting to listen to. And uh, today in the Advent celebration is the week where we normally celebrate John the Baptist being a voice that cries out in the wilderness. And sometimes we hear that voice as a blunderbust voice, as a voice that's making right that which was wrong. But there's another part of that full-orbed voice of God that comes in this message on, on this week of John the Baptist, and it's a message of comfort. Lord knows, I think we need it. Throughout human history, there have been times of tremendous social unrest and change and disorder that make coping Really, really tough for people, and we live in what many people thought was going to be a more tranquil age. But it's very hard to interpret the way the world is going right now as tranquil. and And as believers, we struggle with uh, things like moral relativism. We struggle with the lack of kindness. You know, I I saw a great sign the other day that that I wish I could make ten million of them spread around. Make America kind again. Wouldn't that be cool? I could live with that. Make America kind again. Make America loving again. And when we see the contraindications of kindness and love, they're troubling to us as believers because we know the tenderness of God that we would like to see this world live in. Since the year 2000, uh, we've gone through nine one one. We won't forget that. We've watched our finances pitch skyward and then go to unbelievable lows where many people thought they were ruined forever in the, the Great Recession. Uh, we live in an increasingly tense and divided land, and uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think even in the generation prior to us, the great generation that is now mostly passed by, my dad's generation, we saw a more divided country where progressives and conservatives just don't even speak the same language, they don't see the same world, And uh, it creates quite a bit of social alarm from which perhaps we need a little comfort. The cost of living living in a city like Seattle, interesting. They just predicted that uh, soon you will need to make $100,000 household income to be able to um, live uh, in Seattle. And yesterday, we're proud to announce that our city has been... uh, uh, proclaimed the fifth highest rental city in the United States of America, pretty pretty alarming. So so for a lot of people, uh, there's a, there's a tremendous economic and social stress that they feel just trying to function in the Puget Sound region. Okay, and the preponderance of social media we have makes it available at every second. What all of our stresses and our discomforts and our complaints might be, and um, I wonder if sometimes we don't feel like we're alone in that struggle, and like there's no way out of it, and like it's abnormal. Well, things have been like this through the ages, on and off, and I think we'll see that um, as we talk further this morning, as we look at the text we're going to look at. Uh, One historical lesson that we could look at that tells us that there is hope in God, is the nation of Israel. And this, this lesson today goes back to 587 B.C. That's back there a ways. Now, during this time, Israel had been doing its very, very best to, uh, I would say, ignore God and do their own thing. And yet kind of thank God for their... Blessings and stuff like that. They, they treated God sort of glibly. And God becomes increasingly more distressed. And he sends these people called prophets to the nation of Israel. And probably one of the greatest of those is Isaiah. And Isaiah comes into this 6th century situation. And he has had some blistering words for Israel. He's talking about God's going to bop you over the head and drag you someplace you don't want to go. You're completely displeasing him. He wants to throw you up out of his stomach. I mean, some of, the, some of the verses that you see as you read Isaiah, if they represent the heart of God, God's pretty disappointed in his people at this point. So Israel has strayed totally off the path and God intervenes. In 587 BC a neighboring nation Babylon invades Israel sacks it takes over all the farming land takes all the smart people out of Israel so they can't rebel takes them to Babylon and makes them slaves in Babylon and Israel becomes a vassal state to uh, to Babylon and things are not good People are in Israel are now living on swamps that are infested with insects, and it, it's, just, it's not a good life at all. Their land's taken over, and in the midst of this, God speaks, and it is, uh, it is totally amazing, the voice that comes forward. And I have to find page four or I'm really in trouble. Okay, now, if you ever invert your pages, that's why you should always number them. And for whoever shuffled that before I preached, I will find you. No, I probably did it myself in my read-through this morning. So when you go to the beginning of your passage and the key passage for the day is not there, you know you've got to kind of shuffle your notes. Sorry about that. So I want you to listen to the voice of, of Isaiah now in 587 B.C. because he has been on a long diatribe. He's been condemning Israel. He's been warning him. He's been saying the worst And he's just been a rock'em, sock'em with them. And now, in 587, as Israel sits in abject poverty and enslavement, listen to the word of the Lord that comes to Isaiah. A new word, a new voice, a new vocalization. And it goes like this. Comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim her, proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. By the way, I'll lay in here for you. This is after about 80 years of captivity, a couple of generations. Hard service. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And now there's a voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground will become level, the rugged places plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. And Isaiah tells us here that God has looked at the people's ability to be faithful and seen that they can't do it. God is going to have to somehow come up with a new covenant. God is going to have to rescue his people in a different way and this is where we begin to see the notion of Jesus coming into the world to comfort it the grass withers the flowers fall but the Word of God endures forever you who bring good news to Zion go up on a high mountain you who bring good news to Jerusalem lift up your voice with a shout Lift it up and don't be afraid say to the towns of Judah here is your God see the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends to his flock like a shepherd, and he gathers the lambs in his arms. And he carries and he carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. That's good news for this church, right? When you hear all the squeaks and stuff during the early part of our service before our kids' time. Let me share a little bit about this text. So many familiar lines in it. If you've ever gone to see the Messiah, you've heard it over and over. This is pasted on different Christmas cards that you've seen. But let's try to put it at a more practical level. This passage in Isaiah bundles four reassuring metaphors together. The first is an invitation to be comforted. This is a key teaching for today, and I'm going to come back to it for now. Just know that God's call for the people to be comforted says a lot about us and a lot about God. God is willing to close the gaps between us and our capabilities to cope, to understand him, even to obey him. And God, in his tenderness, approaches us and proclaims comfort. The second of this bundle that's reassuring is a reminder that God's consistent sense of justice will be fulfilled. The third is a call for the people of God to realize their frailty and their dependence on God because they're like grass and flowers. How we cope with challenging times always comes back to, friends, our view of God. Good people mess up. Good nations mess up. Nations and peoples and worlds go astray. Good people suffer. Faithful people encounter heartbreak. And we, we, can, we wonder if we can adapt to just one more social change. And God says to us in the midst of that, let go. Stop your striving to be a world maker. Stop your striving to make it all right yourself. Let go of that. Let go and open your hands and receive the comfort that I have for you. The comfort that came when John the Baptist came in the world and said, "There's one coming greater than me." There's a way coming that's perfect and right, and'll put all that's wrong aright. That's not a hope, that's not a pipe dream. That's the reality into which we are called to live today. God is and always will be God, and as long as God is God and we're his people, there's comfort for us. There's hope for us. There's a way for us. We don't have to capitulate to the despair, the anger, the vengeant way of our culture. Rather, we can bend ourselves to the comfort of God and spread that. As we come to the Lord's Supper today, to this table, I just know if you're like me, and for me this has been a super crappy summer and fall. I don't know what yours has been like. It's been a health nightmare for me. Maybe yours has been economic relationship. Who, who knows what it is? But we're, we're all feeling, our society's feeling the stress and pressure. And God's call to you today, coming to this table, is to do nothing but receive his comfort, okay? To come and touch the bread that represents Christ's body given for us and his body that present to us right here and now and the cup, his blood shed for our redemption, God's blood shed for everything that was wrong to make it right. And as you have and receive that bread and that cup, Receive the comfort of God. Deny the fact that there are such things as cell phones in the world and they have that funny little conga ring to them or, or what's that uh, vibes ring to them, vibraphone. But as you come to the table today, think of the comfort of God. Comfort my people, says the Lord, because when you're receiving comfort, you are locked into God's mercy. You are locked down on God's mercy and God's mercy Is reverberating in and throughout your life this is the comfort of God for you this is the hope of the world comfort my people summer and Laura are going to lead us in a celebration of the Lord's Supper this morning come don't do anything but receive the comfort of God amen